welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be looking at 9-11, 17 years later. Can you believe that? It's been 17 years since 9-11. It seems like, <laughs> seems like only the other day. Now, I know you can remember where you were when 9-11 happened. Everybody can. Uh, I can remember where I was. I had already moved to California. I'm born and raised in New York, but I had moved here. Uh, my daughter was in school in New York City. And um, I was actually, uh, I was home, and I had gotten a, a message um, from my assistant saying that she wasn't going to be in that day because planes had crashed in New York. And I thought to myself, What? <laughs> What does planes crashing in New York have to do with why she's not going to come to work? <laughs> That's not a good excuse. Well, um, you know, then I turned on the television and uh, a little later or turned on, I guess, maybe the news on the computer. I don't remember how, exactly how, what, what transpired after that, but I then found out <laughs> that um, it was not just two lost planes. Now, what... I've noticed every year since then, it wasn't quite so bad in the first five years or so, but certainly since then, 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11, has become more and more sanitized each year and more and more downplayed each year. And this is a very, very disturbing trend, and it should be for you too. It's always, it always gives me a pain in my heart. It always uh, makes me very sad. It brings back the same feelings um, that from each year, the same shock in a sense, even though it's 17 years later, the same surreal quality. How could this have happened to America? Um, the same, of course, sad quality. Um, all these lives lost for no good reason the senselessness of it. I've been to the uh, 9-11 National Museum and the 9-11 Tribute Center, which, again, I recommend that you go to. One of the things that disturbed me, though, watching um, the memorials today at Ground Zero was that did you notice on, the, on television, well, in real life, did you notice... Um, how people in the background, it was different from how they did it before. And there were people, you know, it used to be that they would uh, cordon off that area and only families who uh, lost people from 9-11 were allowed in, only the people who were going to be saying something uh, at the podium or their relatives. And this year, um, it seemed like... (laughs) It seemed like anyone who wanted to go to Ground Zero could just uh, muddle on through. And it was incredibly disturbing and distracting and disrespectful for people to be walking past those on the podium who were memorializing their loved ones and reading names of other people who died, the other victims, uh, while people were just kind of streaming through, not paying any attention to what was going on. I don't know how and who, I don't know who decided to do that, um, but it was a very bad decision. It's all part of this trend, though, uh, 17 years later. It's all part of this trend how each year there get to be fewer memorials. You may have tried to get to one in your hometown and found uh, that there w- weren't any. Um, even in New York, there were much fewer than there have been in the past. Uh, there is the new memorial that opened up in um, Shanksburg in, in Pennsylvania. Um, but, and and um, where President Trump was and Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, was at the Pentagon. 
you know, that was all good. But, but just in general, in, in, in America, there were many few, uh, much fewer uh, tributes, much fewer events to memorialize the victims and to... It's, it's not actually just to memorialize the victims. It's also, also to remember what happened here. And that's part of it. I mean, you know, of course we don't want to remember. I mean, there's a part of us that, and, and part of it is like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or uh, things related to that. It's very painful to have a memory, to go back to that day and remember what happened. Uh, the four planes led or driven by terrorist pilots uh, driven into the Twin Towers, driven into the Pentagon, and then the one that where the, the passengers realized that the plane was overtaken and then they overtook the terrorists. It, it, you know, we have to remember, not just remember the people who died, the victims, and by that, again, not just the people who were in the, um, at the spots where the planes went down, but also all of the First responders, not only those who died, but those who have kept working on the site of Ground Zero and, and were exposed to toxins and since 9-11 have been dying, have been getting very sick and dying mostly from cancers um, and respiratory infections or, or respiratory, um, not just infections, but more serious ailments like COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, all kinds of ailments, um, and who are dying, who have been dying and have died during these 17 years. So it isn't just the approximately 3,000 people who are the victims. It is also the people who were the first responders and who were uh, helping and and, um, even, you know, the people who were at ground zero trying to dig up remnants skeletons, pieces of the victims um, to try to identify them. There still are approximately or over a thousand people who have not been identified, victims who were in the Twin Towers who have not been identified because of it being so hard to match DNA to them because there is so little left of them. Um, I mean, this is, yes, this is all horrendous stuff. But what happens if we pretend this doesn't, didn't happen? <laughs> you know, it was just pilots lost. Um, what happens is we, it's not only that we dishonor the uh, people who were killed or who are sick, as I've been saying, but it's also that we forget history. We forget what happened. We forget uh, the horror of it and what it means for our future. It's not just history. History... Um, if we forget history, it repeats itself. So the more that people want to bury it, it's not only just because people don't want to remember the day, which was so incredibly painful. We never thought that America would be struck at its heartland. I mean, yes, there was Pearl Harbor, but other than that, um, I mean, Pearl Harbor was bad. I don't mean to trivialize that, but we seem to have gotten into this complacent state after that and thought that it would never happen again and certainly not in a place like New York or Washington, D.C., or, um, or Pennsylvania. So we've got, we got complacent, and lo and behold, look what happened. We got struck again. And the danger now is not only um, that we dishonor the victims, but that we forget and we get complacent and we you know, harbor or hunker down in our denial that um, there are still terrorists out there planning, plotting every single day, making headway every single day to perpetrate future terror attacks. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing. If you look at the faces of the people walking by, the people at Ground Zero walking by, Right behind, I mean, it's not, it's not like you could miss them. They were on podiums and there were cameras and everything. Um, so just to walk by these people reminding you, reminding them, you know, of, of 9-11 is, is just, it's not only disrespectful, it's, 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 I mean, as a psychiatrist, I could kind of explain it as I've started to do by it being denial and all of that, but it is really a sickness. 
it is a sickness in our country that has to be um, fixed because, I mean, how do you, I can't, I, I've been at Ground Zero. Um, I can't imagine walking by these people. And, um, and we have to wake up from our denial we have, because we have to be more prepared. And we have to realize, again, that the terrorists didn't go away. There weren't just the ones um, who uh, perpetrated 9-11. There are terrorists behind them. And, yes, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, yeah, there have been some terror attacks since then in the States, but they're not, they, they didn't kill that many people, right? <laughs> I mean, there was the Boston Marathon. Um, there, were, there was the, the um, attack on the on the military base, there was Orlando, which was the biggest of the subsequent terror attacks. There was San Bernardino as well, of course. But, I mean, just because it, uh, an attack didn't kill as many people as 9-11 did does not mean that the terrorists have gone home wagging their tails behind them. Well, when we come back, I'm going to talk more about 9-11, about terrorism, about why um, you have to talk to your family about it, Uh, your kids especially, as many of you know, my book came out this year, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And it's the first and only book about terrorism for kids and their parents and their teachers and their therapists, school psychologists and other therapists. And it's won all kinds of awards. I've been all around the world this year um, with the book, (laughs) Gathering. Uh, the awards, you know, at, at award ceremonies. So I'll tell you all about what I did this year and what I learned and um, what the state of terrorism is around the world. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about 9-11, 17 years later. I was talking in the first segment about uh, asking you to remember where you were, telling you about uh, where I was, and how what I wanted to talk about, too, is how 9-11 changed my life, the, real, the first 9-11, the real 9-11. Um, when 9-11 happened... Uh, I asked myself what I knew, of course, right away, that this was going to be the defining event 
of my lifetime and really of the whole history of the United States, at least thus far. And I, so I asked myself what I could do as a psychiatrist to help America, to help the world uh, cope with terrorism. Now, um, you know, I knew I wasn't going <laughs> to... The idea of joining the military um, right away was uh, crossed off my list. Um, I'm not as... Uh, I don't know that I would pass basic training, (laughs) number one, but I certainly admire uh, the people who do do that. So um, instead, I decided to use my training and my experience and so on as a psychiatrist. So what I did first was um, I started a hotline for people who needed help, needed, uh, were feeling anxious and so on because of 9-11, and then I uh, created an audio-video program. I, was, I called it Shrink on Board. It was played on airline in-flight entertainment. And it was um, a uh, it mainly guided imagery, specific kinds of guided imagery that I narrated, wrote, and, and uh, created and narrated. And uh, it helps people... Really, in a plane or on the ground, you still can get it from my website, which is uh, drcarol.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E.com, um, because I say you can, you can, it helps to calm fears in the air and on the ground. And, but so the airlines play it, um, both domestic and foreign. And then uh, the next thing I did was I wrote a book called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted. And that was published in London. It was the one-year anniversary edition for their 9-11, which was 7-7, July 7, 2005. They were attacked, buses and tra- a bus and trains, um, and it was their worst, even to date, even with the attacks in London. Uh, they were nothing compared to what happened on 7-7. So my book came out uh, one year later, July 7th, 2006, and, um, and it is to help people, uh, you know, deal with all the different issues that terrorism brings up. Then, after that, my most recent book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, uh, I decided to write that because I asked myself who is the population who is most vulnerable to terrorism and it's children because um, children are living their whole life with this ongoing threat of terrorism. I mean it is very unlikely that someone born today even will um, have a lifetime free of terrorism. I mean, they're certainly not having it free of terrorism now, but I mean, one wonders um, when terrorism will be overcome, and certainly certainly uh, not in the foreseeable future. And in fact, a quarter of this is, um, Vice President Pence said this in his speech, and it was, I never really had thought about this before, but um, a quarter of the population of America wasn't born during 9-11. They were, they were born after 9-11, a quarter of the American people. So that is, that is a, a scary number because um, if we keep sanitizing 9-11 each year, if we keep pretending that it was really only uh, some pilots who were lost or pilots who were drunk and they happened to run into the Twin Towers or the Pentagon or uh, the plane that was heading towards Washington, D.C., the Capitol or the White House. You know, these were just, this was, this was coincidences or, um, or maybe they were terrorists, but, but they went home. You know, I mean, well, they're dead, <laughs> those, those terrorists. But um, terrorists decided, you know, they did their damage and that's it and Al-Qaeda isn't as strong anymore. Of course, ISIS is now. Stronger, um, so I, I mean it's all part of our defense, our, a psychological defense. Denial is a psychological defense, and it's the way that we try to protect ourselves 
um, from living, being, you know, not being able to get out of bed in the morning, being so frightened that, um, uh, that we, that we, you know, if, like if we're thinking that 9-11 is going to be happening again any day, every day, um, it would, some people would be too scared to get out of bed. And I am not advocating that. Um, I will talk to you about what I, you know, what we should all do in a little while, but, but I'm not talking about this to frighten you. I am talking about it to make you realize that this is why you, you know, as a psychological defense mechanism, um, you use denial, which is to pretend that, that it wasn't as bad or, or it's not going to happen again. So um, I was talking earlier about uh, how upsetting it was to me to watch the, as a symptom of how people are wanting to forget. I mean, you know the, the, um, the saying that we is never forget. Not only never forget the victims of 9-11, but never forget what happened. Never forget that it was radical Islamist terrorists who are still out to uh, take over the West and have us live by Sharia law and um, take away all our freedoms. There is no democracy in Sharia law. There is no, um, there are, you know, their treatment of women, their treatment of um, LGBT. There are, it is not a system that you want to live under. Um, and yet, so, but that is what they are uh, programmed to, what they've been, you know, they've drank the, they drank the Kool-Aid and that's what they're trying to make happen. So, uh, and by, by misinterpreting the Quran, the people who are the terrorists, the leaders, um, are pretending or misinterpreting the Quran and therefore uh, using this propaganda to get others to follow their lead. So I was trying to say what was really upsetting as I was watching the uh, memorial this morning at Ground Zero, people, uh, it's so touching uh, just to see that, that you can see that the pain of losing their loved ones is still as raw as it was on the first 9-11 anniversary. It's really, I mean, I hope to, if you, if you have not watched any of that today, um, please find it on the Internet. I am sure you can find segments of it on the Internet. You need to watch that. You need to see how raw it is. You need to see what devastation the terrorists created um, and as I was talking earlier about how it's not just the 3,000 or so people who were victims, who were killed um, in the Twin Towers and then, of course, in the Pentagon and then the plane that landed in a Pennsylvania field, but it is also the first responders who, um, well, the first responders who were in that group, but the first responders who have been working at Ground Zero and um, who are now dying uh, each year more and more dying mainly from cancer, but all kinds of other ailments because of the toxins that they were exposed to, that they sacrificed themselves for. So, um, you know, I, I, this morning I tweeted, uh, first I tweeted, I sent, I, I sent a link to this memorial at the Ground Zero, these people who were... Um, who were reciting the names of the people who were lost and mentioned talking uh, more specifically about their own loved ones. I tweeted, watch, watch live stream, reading of names of September 11 victims. Their loss is our loss too. September 11th changed my life forever. It's why I became the terrorist therapist, helping families keep calm and carry on in the face of terror. Never forget or history will repeat. And then a couple of hours later, I tweeted, um, know what's really disturbing on 911 day? Of course, I was using all these hashtags. Um, people, walking, people walking at ground zero by, people walking by at ground zero, ignoring and disrespecting victims' families as recite names. New York Times anonymous op-ed distracting POTUS from terrorism, having to ferret out mole, 
not patriotic on Patriot Day. And that was another aspect of, I mean, whoever you voted for, whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, whoever our president is, um, you do not want him worrying about who the mole is in the White House. You want him being able to concentrate on terrorism, on Iran, on North Korea, uh, on all of our enemies, and um, not, you know, it, it hurts all of us when there are these everyday, you know, things in the news that are just, uh, that of course have to be distracting to the White House. So anyhow, um, so let me tell you about my year. So my book came out on last year's 9-11, and it has won four awards. Um, The London uh, Festival Awards in London, Paris, New York, and Hollywood. And so I went in January to London to receive the award, and I uh, did a whole bunch of things. And I hear the music, the, uh, these the segments are going rather quickly, but I, when we come back, um, I will tell you about the being in London and Paris and New York and seeing what the state of terrorism is there and what I, uh, how I tried to help, you know, when I when I went there to get the award. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about 9-11, 17 years later. Um, There were some technical difficulties in the first segment, which is rather unusual, (laughs) and I'm sure it had to do with terrorists listening in and uh, trying um, trying to interrupt my line, um, but I changed line, so so we'll, I hopefully won't uh, get into this one. But so if I repeat some things, it's because I want to make sure that you heard some of the things that I said in the first segment. Um, I also want to make sure that I don't forget to uh, give you some websites of places that you can go to hear more of my uh, commentary about terrorism. Uh, for example, I do a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show, and you can, um, you can hear that. You know, it's on all different things on the Internet, um, SoundCloud, iPod, I, um, 
iTunes, uh, you know, all of the typical things where you hear podcasts. So, it's, again, it's called The Terrorist Therapist Show. And what I do on there uh, is every week I take the hottest topic in terror of the week and I analyze it. So that's, again, one of the other things that I've been doing as the terrorist therapist. Um, so last year, this past year, what I've been doing in terms of my book, it has been an amazing, amazing year. You know, I wrote this book, as I was saying um, earlier, and I want to make sure that you heard it, I wrote this book because I figured out about how uh, the most vulnerable population to terrorism is children. And, and one of the reasons, actually, is because parents uh, and schools, some schools, not all schools, but, but most schools, um, are, I was talking before about denial, you know, adults, grown-ups being in denial. Well, that becomes a problem then for the kids because if parents are going to be in denial about terrorism, and think they can just walk past people, uh, you know, reciting the names of those who died, the victims of 9-11 at ground zero. <laughs> um, if, if grown-ups can do that, what, what, do you think that those grown-ups walking past, do you think that they talk to their kids about terrorism? I don't think so. So, um, I mean, of course, the families who lost loved ones, they, you know, have had to talk to them about it. But... Um, but even then, you know, what do they say? How much do they say? Um, I mean, people are, feel at a loss. Even those parents, teachers, grandparents, um, anyone who has anything to do with children, of course, therapists, the part of the problem is, aside from people who are in denial and don't want to talk about it, they hope that somehow they'll never have to tell their kids because terrorism is going to go away and to talk about it could be frightening. And so let's just pretend it doesn't exist. I mean, that's been, I know, I've talked to people all over the world. I know that that's kind of the mindset of um, most parents. But for those who do want to talk to their kids, I shouldn't say most parents. Um, I mean, no parent wants to frighten their kids. But, but there are parents, many parents, who, want, who do want to talk to their kids about it, but they don't have the words. They don't know how. And those are the people, those are the grown-ups um, that, for whom I've written this book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, oh my. Um, because that is the, you know, what, well, let me, well, <laughs> torn between, let me tell you a little bit about the book. Um, the first half of the book is for grown-ups. As I said, it's for parents, grandparents, teachers, um, uh, psychologists, school psychologists, and other therapists. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. And, um, it is this tool. It's meant to be a way that, that helps grown-ups uh, communicate to kids about terrorism, not just 9-11, but about terrorism in general. And so the first half of the book is for the grown-ups. And what it entails is um, a description of what the impact is on children of hearing about terrorism because, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the key uh, grown-ups can pretend that kids don't know about terrorism all they want, you know, that they don't have any idea about it, and so therefore they don't have to be talked to about it. I actually call it the birds and the bees talk for the 21st century. Uh, it's an awkward talk, just like the birds and the bees talk, but it's also a fact of life that kids need to understand and learn about and without scaring the pants off of them. So, um, as I was saying, the first half of this book is for parents, is for grown-ups to um, see, to answer. The, there's, I give answers to the most frequently asked questions uh, of kids. And I give, you know, um, answers, <laughs> good answers, um, psychologically thoughtful answers. And, of course, grown-ups can change it however they would like, but at least that's something to start off with. I talk about what the impact on kids is how to know when kids are feeling impacted by terrorism, the news that they hear and so on. Um, I talk about the four things, four types of reactions that kids can have, scared, sad, mad, and bad. And I go into detail about what each of these kinds of reactions entail, what behaviors the children have, um, what what you can do about it as a parent, 
uh, when to dis- realize that the kids need professional help. And then uh, there I provide 88 things for adults to do with kids, whether it's parents, families, uh, teachers with a class, how to make kids more resilient. I mean, that's kind of the key. And the one good thing about terrorism is that it should motivate all of us to become more resilient ourselves. And if we have children or if we take care of children in some way, you know, if we um, are a teacher or uh, have any kind of connection with children, the key is the one positive thing, the way we can turn it around, is to make it so that terrorism, the ongoing threat of terrorism, makes us more diligent in building resilience in our families, in our classes, and so on. So that is, so that's the first half of the book. The second half of the book is a picture book for kids. It's for kids 5 to 14. And um, it actually goes into what is a terrorist? Why do terrorists want to hurt us? Um, what is a terrorist attack? Uh, the whole, then I, then I have a section about feelings, an interactive section where people, where the kids can express their feelings through drawings and so on. I ask them, actually, in the part where I talk about what is a terrorist, first, before I describe a terrorist, um, I have, there's a page where the kids are supposed to draw what they think a terrorist looks like. And then I go into um, Osama bin Laden, and um, I talk about terrorists misinterpreting the Quran. I mean, I, I say that... Um, that terrorists are radical Islamists or radical Muslims, which means that they're not like most Muslims who are peaceful. It's very uh, balanced in that, those, that kind of way. Uh, also in the kids section, I have 10 things that kids can do for themselves to build resilience. So um, I, teachers, you know, besides getting these awards from these book festivals, I have gotten huge, um, hugely positive responses from teachers and, um, and school psychologists and, you know, who have, who have basically, first, it's, it's so interesting because first people say, this is, you know, when I, let's say they come up to me at some kind of an event and um, I'll say this is, you know, a book, it's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. A book about terrorism for kids, that's the first reaction. And then they, I flip through the book and I show them different parts of it, like I've been describing for you. And then they realize, you know, they'll typically say, uh, yes, I guess this, it's unfortunate, but yes, we do need this for these times. And thank you for writing it. I've gotten all kinds, of, you know, it's like, thank you for your service. Uh, like, I always feel like I sort of don't deserve that in a way, in the sense that I'm not in the military, but... Um, but people are very grateful, and that is very fulfilling to me uh, because, and, and one of the wonderful things also is when I show the book to kids, and I don't, when, if they come up to me at an event like a book signing or something, um, I don't, and depending upon the age of the children and what they say they know already, because I ask them, like, have you ever heard of the word terrorism? And some, it's amazing how many kids say no. Um, and there's also amazing, sometimes it, it ha- doesn't always have to do with the age. But that's the thing. The kids, I mean, of course they hear the word. Ter- I mean, what do you think today, for example, the anniversary of 9-11? Kids, <laughs> kids want to know what this is. How many people do you think are just sweeping it under the rug and saying, oh, well, that was when America was attacked one day or, you know, some other kind of um, perfunctory explanation? when really they need to get into this. I mean, my book is 122 pages, just to give you an idea. Like I know I said the second half is a picture book, but even that um, is a lot of pages. I don't just skim over the surface. Uh, It's really, I I go very deep. I I start out by talking about how, after they've drawn the picture, of what they think a terrorist looks like, I start out by um, explaining that a terrorist is like a big bully on the playground. You know, that I use that as the way to get into it. Um, so, but then, as I was saying, I, you know, get into it in a much, much deeper level. And the thing is, if I were to say or have pictures in the book of blondes in bikinis, the kids would right away 
sort of put the book down because they know they've seen on television, they've seen in the news terror attacks, and they know that it's not being done by blondes and bikinis. So um, we, we just have to face this, and we have to find a way to talk to kids. Oh, I was starting to say that what's been also been very fulfilling is how kids, um, when they look, they, you know, I, I, I decide each individually how much of the book I'm going to show them, or I typically will show them that page, uh, how a terrorist is like a big bully on the playground because they can totally relate to that. But it's really, the kids are so thirsty. They, they come up and they, you know, they want to hear about this. The parents sometimes are holding back a little bit, but then they see how thirsty the kids are to find out all this information because they know something. The problem is they're very confused. The problem is that by watching the news, you don't really find out what a terrorist is. You just see all this, these horrible things that the terrorists did, you know, all these people who were killed, uh, or like 9-11, you know, seeing the memorial and so on, so, um, and knowing that a lot of people were killed. But that, you know, that's, that's just scary. You need to explain what's really going on and why they were killed and what and the fact that there are all these first responders doing wonderful things to protect us and, and help us and the government and you know I ha- talk about all of these kinds of things in the book, not just the you know not just uh, terrorists wanting to kill us, but about all the things that um, other people you know can are doing to protect us and things of course that they can do for themselves. So stay tuned. Um, I will tell you in the next segment, I promise, <laughs> about going around the world and what I saw in different places when I went to get the awards and I um, ta- did book signings and so on and talked to people about terrorism. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman talking with you today about 9-11, 17 years later, talking about how uh, when this day occurred originally, not, not, not an anniversary, but the actual 9-11, it, uh, it made me change my life to become the terrorist therapist and to help people keep calm and carry on in the face of terror. So I was before the break, I was starting to um, say that I was going to tell you about how uh, going around the world with my book, because it won all these different awards, um, in London, Paris, New York, and Hollywood, was just an amazing experience. In London, in January, 
uh, I did a um, I did a book signing, book reading uh, at a book um, shop, the most the quaint, most quaint and unique bookshop, Word on the Water, in London. Uh, I also did. Um, I also went to uh, Manchester, and I donated a book to the library there, of course, because of Manchester being the site of the horrendous uh, attack at the Ariana Grande concert. I donated the book to the Manchester Library and to the two mayors of Manchester. Um, I also went in, uh, in London. I went to the Anna Freud uh, clinic and um, institute because I had studied with Anna Freud at the clinic years ago, and I so I wanted to give them a book as well. And uh, I went to um, I also the uh, the highlight was uh, appearing on Good Morning Britain where uh, we had quite a lively debate. You can find that on YouTube, actually. I would recommend that you do that. It's a, uh, it's a very lively debate. It was very interesting because the uh, women, you know, I was warned ahead of time that they like to have these debates, and I like a good debate. So uh, the, the two hosts, two female hosts, were, uh, are, well, oh, well, they had someone actually, a head of school, a man, who was supposed to be debating with me. <laughs> he was sort of not very much of a debater, so that really wasn't an issue. But the two women who were the presenters, the hosts, um, even though they had children, or at least one of them did, I was told, they were questioning whether, whether you really need to tell kids about terrorism, particularly since I said that the book was for kids 5 to 14. Do we really want to tell kids 5 years old about terrorism? And I tried to explain, I, you know, once I kind of got over the shock that they would be asking me or trying to say that kids in London, 5 years old, even 5 years old, um, don't know, haven't heard of terrorism, they don't, they don't understand it, they don't know exactly what it is and what makes it happen and what an attack is and what we, what, who is protecting them. They don't know the, the important things, but they certainly have seen <laughs> clips on the telly, as I called it, um, about, about all the myriad of terror attacks in London. I mean, you know, London, compared to New York, London is a very small place and, uh, or compared to, you know, the number of people or, um, and, the, and, and yes, and the number of people who were killed also, it's smaller. But, um, but, but there's no way the kids living so close, you know, with a terror attack almost on every corner, there is no way that they haven't heard the word terrorism. Have they had somebody, their parents or a teacher, explain it to them? Apparently not. So uh, that was a little, you know, the, the, the idea that we, could, that, that we shouldn't tell them about this because we should protect them. Um, you know, pretending that they don't know anything about it when it's been in their backyard was just a little preposterous. But so it did. It did call for a lively debate. I actually um, I have a tape of that program, and I actually keep it running when I'm at some kind of an event uh, because it really they bring up all the possible points for why a book like this isn't good, and I I you know combat each one of them and explain why it's important for kids to understand all of this and in a non-threatening, uh, cozy kind of way, whether it's with a parent or a teacher or a therapist. So anyhow, that was very exciting. And then uh, Paris was in, um, was this past June or July, I, you know, I've been traveling to all these places, I can't even keep it straight where I, when I was there, but I had an amazing time. Um, I also donated the book to a bunch of places there, too, uh, like the American Hospital, the American Library, the um, uh, school, uh, L'Ecole des Parents. It's a school for French teachers and parents. Um, I did a book signing at the Café du Bataclan, and as you will presumably remember, in 2015 there was the attack in Paris uh, at the Bodic Lawn, that was, you know, there, well, not just at the Bodic Lawn, it was at the uh, restaurants as well, some cafe, bars, 
and um, and the the uh, sports arena and the Badak Lam, but the Badak Lam was the most, uh, what, dramatic, and um, the most people were killed in that one place. And so I did a book signing and, uh, at the Café de Badak Lam, and I also attended a concert at the Badak Lam. It was very, very important to me to be able to, um, to you know, it was kind of my personal way of telling terrorists, I'm not scared of you, by being in this place where so many people were killed and seeing it, um, because it was so so small, relatively, the terrorists didn't have to aim. They just had to shoot to kill all those people, tragically. Well, I have a lot more to tell you, and I'm sure I'll be talking about terrorism again. I want to make sure you have, uh, I want to give out two um, websites. Besides looking for my show, if you want to hear more, my weekly hot topics of terrorism, uh, just look for the terrorist therapist show, but also the book is sold, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, is sold in bookstores, wherever books are sold, bookstores, online, and it's also sold from my publisher's website, which is terrorismforkids.com, terrorism, the number four, kids.com, and then my website, my terrorist therapist website is terrorist therapist.com. So there you can find all kinds of um, additional ways to get information um, on my, you know, looking at, basically looking at terrorism from a psychiatric point of view. I analyze terrorists after attacks. I analyze, I put these terrorists on my couch and so on. I analyze us and our reactions and, um, and I will be uh, doing more um, traveling this year uh, going around the world talking to people about terrorism. I mean, what's in my heart, what's my passion, when I you know, decided on 9-11 17 years ago, my passion is to help people, to use my psychiatric, my background as a psychiatrist, uh, to help people cope, not just cope, but thrive during this time of terror. So thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 